Driver? Ah, yeah, cool. And, uh, shower head, big knife. Is that Psycho? Okay. Dancing lady. Are, are those wolves? Dances with wolves? They kind of look more like foxes. Or, or a hedgehog. Okay, what's this? Uh, a radio, another wolf slash fox, and lots of people. Radio fox group? Radio wolf bunch? Radio Wolfgang. Radio Wolfgang emoji title, I love it. Smiley love heart eyes, winky kiss. Hello, this is Radio Wolfgang. Yeah, we're back on air. The goat's down, but we don't care. We're mobile now. We're everywhere. Yeah, Radio Wolfgang is back on air. Shall I compare thee to a sun with face calendar? Thou art more smiling face with heart-shaped eyes and heavy plus sign, temperate. Rough, wind-blowing face, wind-blowing face, do shake the darling buds of Taurus. And sun with face, least hath all two minus sign a calendar. Hello and welcome to the It's Nice That podcast with me, Alex Beck. And me, Will Hudson. It's Nice That is a website showcasing creative work from all over the world. And in this series, we're going to pick creative things that people like and work out why they're successful. So last week, Apple released their latest iOS update, which also supports a latest update of emojis. We all use them. You can't escape them. They're everywhere. And that is our subject for today, emojis. Have you seen the new set, Will? I haven't seen them yet, but I've heard there's uh, avocado is the is the one everyone's chatting about. Um, so I look forward to using that later this week. Would you ever send me an avocado? I don't send you emojis. But may, maybe the avocado will be the icebreaker. What an insight. I've never seen you even eat an avocado. Yeah, usually crushed on a bit of sourdough and a poached egg. Are you a big emoji user? Because we don't text that much, surprisingly. I tell you what, I like an emoji from time to time. When someone uses them well, I find it the funniest thing going. I like it when people put them together and make a little story. So once I got a text about a bacon sandwich and it was a loaf of bread, pig, smiley face, bacon sandwich. That's good. So easily pleased. I was expecting like a (laughs) a 50 plus character story there. But no, just a pig between two bits of bread. (laughs) Happy days. But I think I like them. I use that thumbs up one all the time because it seems to get you out of anything. Like, bad bit of news, thumbs up at the end. Good bit of news, thumbs up at the end. But do you not think that's where it just becomes that kind of laziness creeping in? And it's like you you feel the need in text messages to just acknowledge, even though you get two blue ticks and it's like, I I know they've seen it, they haven't got back to me, that's probably fine, to just to kind of conclude, to be like, yep, thumbs up, great. I think I think that's a good point. Laziness comes into it a lot when you think about emojis, doesn't it? Because on the face of it, it seems like the laziest thing in the world. But actually, I mean, that 
bacon sandwich thing that that someone did for me that shows complete care and attention and finding them I thought it was kind of amazing it says the opposite to me it says someone's really making an effort to make you smile or to I don't know to make you think something rather than laziness I think it's the opposite when you have the limited number of emojis I think you can be really creative with them but you can imagine in two years there is the bacon sandwich emoji you lose that sense of creativity you you Kind of the the things that have multiple meanings. Also, if it was bacon sandwich, equality wise, you'd have to have red and brown sauce and loads of different things on it. You know the one which is, I've looked at the name of it, it's called Person with Folded Hands. Oh, yeah, yeah. What is that? In my head, praying. High five for me. It's that like high five. What from the side? Yeah, I get it. But you can imagine the misinterpretation of sending someone like pray versus high five is difficult. I mean, that's huge. That's absolutely <laughs> massive. That's also why we've got these things called words that <laughs> we can't rely on emojis for everything. It's important we continue to use our words well. But do you find that you only use them within conversations of people uh, around the same age? Like, do you use emojis with your parents? The people I'm closest to, I probably use them more because you can get away with a bit more, right? The thing is, I can't really even send a text message to my mum. You know, she doesn't really understand how to open the text message. The idea that there's a picture in it as well is, like, mind-blown. How about you? I do text my mum, but I, I think that's when it gets weird. Like, my mum's on Instagram, and she'll use emojis in comments. It's just a bit like, don't do that. Oh, you don't like that? I quite like quite distinctive rules. It's like, I want them kept to text messages and WhatsApp. Like, people started using them in emails. And it's like, what? Like, I can't deal with that. An email's an email. Well, you know, like on Facebook, 40% of brands use an emoji in the last quarter of 2015, up 28% from the year prior. It's happening. Whether you like it or not, emojis are getting into emails. Subject lines, you know, you get, um, they tell you what makes a great newsletter subject and they say what emojis are going to work and not. It, it's become the norm. It's become the thing that you kind of come to expect. Whether I agree that everyone should just communicate in emojis or not obviously not i do think they add a lovely bit of flavor and a bit of color to especially boring digital messaging i think they're i think they're great i think i just see them as as a natural part of day-to-day communication i think in the right place they really work but what's funny is when they then start appearing on emails is when i then start feeling uncomfortable with them it's like i think there's a place for them This time, we're going to be talking to anthropological linguist and author of The Semiotics of Emojis, Professor Marcel Denisi. We're also going to be talking to founder of Emojipedia, Jeremy Birch. Everybody's speech balloon at confused face. I don't hear a word. They speech balloon. Only the echoes of my thought balloon. Where do you reckon emojis came from, Will? I know that emoji, when you break it down, um, is the Japanese word for e meaning picture and moji meaning character. So an emoji is a picture character, which is which is what a lot of those early ones are. Got it. And they first appeared in Japan in about 1998. Yes, that's my understanding. Emojis must have come from emoticons, right? Where you're typing in the bracket and the colon and the different symbols on your keyboard. That must have been the first bit and then it's just an advancement of that, right? But it's fascinating, isn't it? I mean, it does make total sense that... Essentially, it's hieroglyphics, really, isn't it? It's cave paintings. It is, and I also think that's where it's really creative, and that's where I kind of worry about where emojis go, where they become so uh, obvious. I think given a, 
a limited set of characters. People can do stuff with them to communicate and, and, and still kind of create a language out of them. We spoke to the reluctant inventor of the emoticon and how he created it. You know, sometimes I feel a little bit like Dr. Frankenstein. You know, I let my monster loose on the world and it mutated in ways that I wouldn't have predicted. But uh, it's kind of fun to be a little bit famous for something. My name is Scott Fallman, research professor at Carnegie Mellon University in the School of Computer Science. Back in 1982, I proposed using uh, some punctuation marks as the first sideways smiley emoticon. I was a a relatively new faculty member at Carnegie Mellon uh, working on artificial intelligence. In those days, we had something called the ARPANET, which was the precursor of the internet. And even in those days, we had social media. We had uh, something called bulletin boards, which was just a place where you could send text-only messages. So we had a bulletin board for lost and found. We had a bulletin board for talk announcements. We had a bulletin board for kind of random discussions of anything, and that was the one that that got interesting. Especially in that community, there was a lot of sarcastic humor, and uh, somebody would make a comment, and somebody else would not get the joke and would think it was serious and would say, oh, well, you can't say that. That's a terrible thing to say. Everybody else would jump on that person and say, well, no, it's obviously just kidding, you idiot. And we said, oh boy, we're going to have to mark everything that's meant to be funny. Someone said, well, let's just put an asterisk in the subject line. And somebody else suggested the ampersand was a much funnier character. It looked like a jolly fat man. And that didn't make sense to any of us. So I'm thinking, gee, we we should be able to do better. Uh, I was thinking a smiling face would be great. So I'm staring at the keyboard trying to see what might be possible. And the first thing you need is eyes. There's the colon, and it looks like eyes, but too bad it's sideways. I said, okay, why don't we do colon, minus, and parenthesis? Maybe we can get people to turn their head sideways, and if they do that, they'll understand that it's a face. It was 19 September 1982 at 11.44 in the morning. I posted this three-line message. I proposed that the following character sequence be used for joke markers. Read it sideways. Actually, it is probably more economical to mark things that are not jokes given the current trends. And that was that. I thought it would amuse the dozen people in that discussion and would be forgotten the next day. You know, it was just a toss-up. I mean, I say things at least that funny five times a day. But this one somehow lived on. Uh, And here we are 35 years later talking about it. I had to make peace with the idea that No matter what I do in my uh, long career of artificial intelligence research, this is what I'm going to be famous for. This is going to be the first line of my obituary. First line of Scott Fowman's obituary is definitely a sad face, isn't it? A sad little emoticon. What a great guy. What an amazing thing to set the wheels in motion. I also love that there was a bit of thought behind it, like, oh, what if we just use an asterisk? What if we use... I love the idea of an ampersand as a fat guy. Yeah, that's good. (laughs) No one knew it. Of course they didn't know it. Because it's an ampersand. I love that it happens for real purpose, and then that takes a life of its own. But the idea that it was never made to become a universal language system, obviously. I know it restores your faith in humans, doesn't it? We're all going to be replaced by computers, you know that anyway. But when we are, computers never would have come up with that. There's no way they would have seen a smiley face in those two characters, right? So for me, I go, yes, humans are still important. 
We're about to speak to Marcel Danese, author of Semiotics of Emoji, The Rise of Visual Language in the Age of the Internet. Um, so Marcel, why don't you kick us off? How, how did you get into emojis? Tell us about your, your background a little bit. Well, I'm a linguist, a professor of linguistics and semiotics at the University of Toronto. The initial invitation to write came from a longtime friend and collaborator. His name is Dr. Paul Buisak. He wrote me an email and said, look, uh, we would really like you to write on emoji. It took me aback a little bit because, of course, I knew what emoji were. I thought it was just decoration. So I said, you know what? It's a challenge. Let me do it. (laughs) I have a very large second-year linguistics class here at the university. I presented the uh, project that I was going to do, and I simply asked, people to give me their texts anonymously if they wanted to. Well, to my surprise, I got 323 text messages, Wow! which, you know, I mean, some of those messages were pretty intimate. I mean, I could never have imagined myself (laughs) giving my love letters to my professor (laughs) when I was a student. Anyhow, I got these and then I said, you know what, I need help in understanding these. So I um, enlisted the help of five other advanced students in linguistics to help me collect the data, organize it, and then go beyond, go onto the internet and go into other sites to see where the action was with the use of emoji. At the end of the year, I looked at all the data, put it all together and wrote up the book. Simple as that. And, and what were the things that you learned as a result of doing that, that bit of research? Um, I realized that if you look at trends in writing and in language from about the 1920s to today and movements, artistic and literary movements such as, you know, the pop artists, the futurists, the Dadaists, who use writing to embellish it. And of course, let's look at popular culture and comic books. They are the predecessors to emoji writing, but it's a little more creative, of course. Emoji writing is more systematic. So in other words, I found it to be absolutely fascinating that we're not dealing with just a, you know, a passing fad of, you know, popular culture or the global age. It is actually a new form of writing that has emerged and that we must take it seriously. Where do you think emoji started? Where did it all come from? In the human species, writing itself is a fascinating phenomenon. It seems like a need to transfer onto some substance, some surface or some artifact, our ideas in such a form that they remain above and beyond, you know, the immediate uh, delivery through the voice or, you know, by conversation. So that's been there from the beginning. I mean, children draw it. I mean, the instinct is still there. You can see it. Just put a, a drawing instrument into a child's hand and uh, in, in no time whatsoever, it's drawing images. So it's there. I mean, it's it's not something that has disappeared. And even cave drawing, heavens, uh, paintings and so on, they're a form of language. They communicate for people who do not have alphabetic literacy or other forms of literacy. They are immediate, they're forceful. So that kind of communication through images, through pictures, has been there since the dawn of civilization. What probably happened as the ancient civilizations in the marketplaces of the Middle East and other places, Northern Africa, and also in Asia and elsewhere, because we needed a more efficient way of realizing these transactions. So from these, many of those images turned into little symbols that stood for the sound. In other words, for the first time ever, the image 
and the vocal aspect of that image, the way we pronounce it, united to produce the first letter symbol. This happened in Phoenicia, modern-day Lebanon, about 1000 BC. And by the time it got to Greece, it became a worldwide movement, <laughs> paralleling, I guess, in many ways, the emoji movement. One of the things that I'm really interested in is, from what you've just talked about, emojis is a global language. So from a linguistics kind of community point of view and the research that's gone prior, how does something like emoji play out across uh, the globe? Does it take on similarities within language and culture? Or does it start to become a more universal language that's understood anywhere you are in the world? Two comments on that. First, foremost, any attempt to make any universal code have never worked. Never. Um, it seems that diversity is a principle of human life and communication, certainly. The same thing is happening to emojis. <laughs> I mean, a smiley is a smiley, isn't it? I mean, it's a, a, you go right back to the ancient uh, Greek drama, and they had two masks which were basically smileys, one for tragedy and one for comedy. And there's very little leeway for interpreting it any different. However, the instant you contextualize even those two simple smileys, you've got to give it a color tone. <laughs> you've got to give it a shape. You've got to um, contextualize it in such a way that this is happiness and this is not. Once you start doing that, and that happens spontaneously, people start to give nuances. They nuance their interpretation of these basic icons. And all of a sudden you get, you know, um, complaints. Well, that's not really the way I would interpret happiness. And therefore my face is not yellow. My face is this and that. And all of a sudden, even those basic icons assaulted with a human propensity for diversity. And I love it. <laughs> <laughs> So do you think it is working? Do you think we are seeing the first global language or, or is it actually failing as other attempts have tried? Okay, A, I'm not a prophet. <laughs> if I answered <laughs> that, me, I, I, would, I would become a futurist and I'd probably be rich. <laughs> but in my estimation, from what I can see, uh, you know, there's no turning back the clock. From now on, writing, uh, informal writing, is going to have with it some complement uh, with a, a visual representation of certain sorts. It also depends on the technology we're going to have in the future. Who knows how, how the technology is going to evolve. Marcel, what do you think is missing from emoji at the moment? What would, you, what would you add in the future? I wouldn't add anything because the more you complicate the system, I mean, there are, what, at most 26 characters for an alphabet uh, code, and you can combine them and fix them ad infinitum to create words and thoughts and messages. Well, this is, a, this is a, a similar type of visual alphabet. The more you complicate it, the more options you have, the more difficult it is to use systematically. That's the death knell of any code. The more complex it becomes, the, the, the less efficient, the less we will use it and it will disappear. I would actually reduce it to its, uh, its bare minimum so that we can really communicate universally. So what, what do you think when you see the, the companies release new emoji sets or add, a, say, an avocado got added a couple of weeks ago by one of the big tech companies? What, what do you make of that? Are you disappointed seeing that? Do you think we could be smarter than that? Well, it's business, isn't it? And <laughs> you've got to cater to the customers, right? Uh, but see where the danger is there, that you have to explain that new one you're bringing in. You don't have to explain the other one. I don't have to explain to you what the letter G is all about. But if I came in with a new letter, I'd have to tell you how it's pronounced, what it means, and so on. That is anti-efficient. <laughs>
So um, my guess is that they're doing this to cater to the political climate in which we live and on and on and on. And that's okay. I mean, it's good to be as open-minded as possible. But, you know, the product is what it is. Um, Marcel, we can't let you go without asking you what is your most used emoji. My favourite one? Well, your favourite one and potentially your most used. I think they're two separate things. <laughs> it's easy for me to answer both questions. I do not use them. Wow. <laughs> what? You've devoted two years of your life. And Marcel, not... I feel cheated. I feel completely cheated. <laughs> no, that's why I think I'm objective, okay? <laughs> um, no, I do not use them. However, let me tell you this that I have some people that I correspond with, especially my um, uh, students that I care a lot for. Uh, you know, I have a rock and roll band called the Semiotones, oh, which, yes. which plays for charity. And there are members of that band who come and go. And, uh, you know, when they write text messages to me, I mean, let me tell you that if there is no smile or an emoji in it, uh, the instant that happens, I will instantly write back and say, is everything okay? <laughs> so I, my eyes have gotten used to the meaning, the emotional substratum that these emoji are all about. That's fantastic. Thank you so much for talking with Thank us, Thank you Marcel. so much. It's been a pleasure. What did you make of that? What did you make of Marcel? What I love about people that dedicate their time to a certain subject is they raise so many things that are so obvious that you've never considered. Most language character sets, 26, keep it simple. But also in the same way, it's a very natural recurrence. What's happening has happened so many times before, he's saying, you know, symbols and actually us wanting to, you know, childlike, wanting to draw pictures and communicate in that way. I love the idea. It feels so natural. In my most cynical, I feel like it's a forced thing from corporations. Like he said, it's business, but it just totally isn't. It's a completely natural human way to be communicating. And also, I really want to hear the semiotones. You love that. Yeah, I love that. Do you think they're good? I haven't got a clue. Right. No, it's not his full-time gig. If, if they were that gig, <laughs> he would be, uh, he'd be off touring the world. There, Al and the cat face went a water wave in a beautiful pea, green heart, sailboat. They took some honey pot and plenty of money with wings and wrapped it up in a keycap digit 5 heavy multiplication x bank note with pound sign I'm going to do a little quiz with you mate the countries and their most popular emojis Are you ready so don't, don't just clear your mind we'll just channel this country so imagine you're russian what are the most popular so tempted to do an accent <laughs> go on do it what what are the most popular emojis in russia uh, happy face and alcohol. You know Russians use nearly three times as much romance-themed emoji than the average. So, they're romantics, actually. Weird, you wouldn't have seen that. Most popular emojis in Canada. Ice hockey <laughs> and pancakes. <laughs> Brilliant. Weirdly, this is great. I like this. They um, score highest in poop emoji. I'm not the... a big fan of poop emoji. Why not? Just not a big fan of toilet humour, full stop. He's cute, though, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this sort of really, I'm just not into like humanizing poop, as it were. Innocent little fella. Also, <laughs> they score highest in categories you might think as all American, like money, raunch, violence, sports. There's something raunch. going on in Canada. Have you ever been to Canada? Yep. Mate, we got to go. 
Um, <laughs> I've already been. I don't need to. <laughs> right, you got to take me. Did you see all um, that stuff what, happening? You need to go to Canada to use your raunch emojis. And, no, um, they're talking about it all the time. There's obviously a load of great stuff going Which on. ones are the raunch emojis? <laughs> <laughs> Peach, overdue. You're, mis- you're talking to the wrong person, mate. I don't know. Okay, Australia. Best emojis in Australia. Well, I've, I've dangerous. I realise now, having said what I thought for the Canadian ones, I'm building dangerous stereotypes. So, I don't know, sun, surf, beer... Close-ish. Um, they use double the average amount of alcohol-themed emojis. Yes. Not, not stereotype or just definitely stereotype? You win. Also, they like junk food and the holiday emoji. There's, we, could do, <laughs> we could literally do this forever. So we'd now like to welcome to the studio founder of Emojipedia, World Emoji Day, Jeremy Birch. How did this start for you? How did you become this guy? <laughs> <laughs> this is kind of, I say an accident. It's not an accident. I deliberately set up Emojipedia about three or so years ago now, just because I'd be looking on the internet for information about which new emojis came out and just couldn't find anything. No one was really talking about it. And I just thought, well, Emojipedia, what, a, what an obvious name. Of course, I should set that up. So I did. I, I registered it and tried to set up a website and it was okay but not great but and then years later here i am still still doing it wow and does it say what what does it do so if people who've never been on emojipedia the few that exist in the world i'm sure there's plenty um if you go to emojipedia it looks like google for emojis you can type in a search phrase and it will tell you all the emojis that match that phrase if you type in beach it will show you all the beach related emojis and what they mean their origin and how people use them so what so when you set this up what was the emoji scene at that time like where were people using them they weren't on kind of apple devices at that stage is that right or it was about the time where apple had just made the emoji keyboard available for everyone so people that were in the know could go ah easy just go into settings turn it on but a lot of the rest of the world you always think that everybody knows what you know but then there's plenty of people you'd send an emoji to and they would go what is that? How did you do that? So it was that sort of early stage where people in the know knew, but not everybody. Why do you think people care so much? Well, did care about emojis so much and now really care about emojis? What is it? We all share the same set of emojis and they're on our phone and they're on every phone in the world. So we all know the same set that we're talking about. And if Facebook comes out with 10,000 new stickers, that's cool and they're, they're great, but it's not the same exclusivity. We're all sharing the same set of emojis and it's like it's like talking about a popular TV show that's on that everybody watches in a, a year gone by. And so it's that idea of standardization across all platforms, do you think that's important for the future of emojis? I think that's why people care about it and I think that's why it's a success. That Yes, we like the pictures, but if they didn't work everywhere then it would just be another something we've already had before and and what do you make of the fact that they keep adding emojis emojis and and is there a danger that you're gonna lose that exclusivity almost through the the choice being so big there's some risk yeah i mean there's you can imagine a world if there were a million emojis we wouldn't care about any of them individually but you are partly responsible for new ones, right? You're on the subcommittee of Unicode as to the, the application process. Right. So Unicode, they, they approve the new emojis and there's many committees at Unicode. They do all kinds of things, but I'm on the emoji committee because that's what I know about. And how does that work? Because that is the burning question from everyone that I've mentioned. That we're doing this show, we're talking to some experts. It's like, right, how do you get one? How do I, I've got this great idea for a new emoji. What is that process? There is a public submission process that a lot of people assume 
Like anything on your phone, you don't think you're going to have a say. You think, well, of course it's on my phone. I guess I could write to Apple or Google and beg them to do my thing. But Unicode have a form and they have procedures where you can submit a proposal for a new emoji and they have a whole bunch of criteria. And if you fulfill the criteria, it will be reviewed and looked at and it may well become a real emoji. And that genuinely happens. So when it comes to emojis, what are Unicode looking for? There's a number of criteria. The first one is really that it would be frequently used if it existed, that there's no point adding an emoji if no one's going to use it. And people suddenly pull you up on this point and they go, aha, aha, what about all the stupid circles and the squares and everything? How did they get in? But they got in through a different clause of backwards compatibility with Japan, which is how they're in there in the first place. So when you look at the stupid ones, often that's why. Cheats. <laughs> and there's other rules about distinctiveness. It's great if your mum's casserole's not in there, but if it looks the same as a different emoji, then it doesn't matter what you say is in the bowl. If you can't tell it emoji sizes, then it, it really doesn't matter. If I was to apply now and give it to you on the way out, how long would it take to get onto my phone? Well, firstly, don't give it to me. <laughs> Submit it through the channel. Oh, yeah, sorry. I didn't read any of this research. Let it, be, let it be filtered out by other people not to waste his time. But Jeremy, don't pretend you haven't got a sway in this. Come on. But let's say you'd officially submitted it to the right channels and you Googled that already. Uh, if you submitted now, well, we're talking... About a 2018 release is when it would be approved. The, the new emoji release for 2017, the deadline is already passed for that. That was in October of 2016. And so you'd be looking at about a mid to late 2018 release of your amazing new emoji. Do, from your insight and understanding, do they limit how many new ones they release at each iteration? Unicode said about a year ago they're aiming for about 70 a year. Not as a hard limit, but that's a rough guide that they're saying, yeah, we really don't want to be adding hundreds a year. And they're trying to prioritize the key areas, the things that are missing that are most requested in each area or most in the case of animals. Sometimes there's statistics that are looked at, like how many times is an animal looked at at different zoos? Which ones are popular around the world or uh, which animal groups are missing as well as the frequency? So there's a lot of uh, stats that are looked at, but yeah, there is an attempt to keep the number down every year. Do you think anything's missing? Just as a tip, a little tip for me. A little tip. You know what? I think the hardest thing to decide that's missing are the faces, that we love the faces. That's what you want in an emoji. But until someone suggests one, sometimes you you don't see it coming, that there's been proposals for a, a freezing cold face that's sort of blue with icicles. And I think that's great, but I didn't think about it before it came up. And so what about the future? What does the future hold for emojis? What are we going to see next? I mean, the next year or so. Currently, there's a big effort on gender inclusivity on things like right now, the last uh, update had things like female representation, that every male emoji had a female equivalent. And now there's sort of talk of, should, is that too restrictive still? Are we making people choose a male or a female? So it's kind of strange how this Unicode and this emoji standard reflects the real world in a way that people are talking about gender inclusivity and representation of women and then it shows up in emojis. So I wonder where that goes from there. Do we pick, are there three emoji types? Is there a neutral one? Someone's talked about four emoji types to represent different levels of masculinity or femininity. So I'd be interested to see where that goes. Also, they're being used in advertising a lot now as well, right? Where do you see that going? Have you seen that change over the years? Brands love to get involved with 
anything that's hot. I mean, that's that's what it's all about. They just want to be involved and they've got a, a checkbook or they've got a bank transfer and they just want to give someone money. And for these, for real emojis, I say with sort of air quotes, they find it hard to get involved because you can't have brands and logos as an emoji. So what they tend to do is they'll either go the Taco Bell route of kind of jumping on board. There was already a taco proposal for an emoji and they kind of just ambushed that proposal and sort of made it seem like it was theirs. Or you go the other way around and you release stickers or something and you, you call it an emoji. You know when Twitter adopt uh, certain hashtags like for the World Cup, there'll be that kind of World Cup icon. So that's not an emoji because it's uh, not a Unicode thing. Yeah, though these things that they're... They started life, they were called hash flags when they first came out because it was for the World Cup and you'd put hashtag and a country name and they thought and it would put the flag of that country after it and hash flag was a really clever name. And then again, the marketing people came along a couple of years later. Twitter used to do this for free for marketing events and then they went, hang on a minute, we can make millions of this. And so now that's a key part of Twitter's revenue is that they will sell... And they called it, again, the key part where it started making money is they stopped calling it hash flags all of a sudden. They went, no, no, these are Twitter emojis. And then brands that had the checkbook ready to go, they don't know. They don't even necessarily know half the company. They don't even know what the difference is. They don't care. They've just got a company telling them, hey, Coke, you can have your own emoji. And it's going to be millions of dollars. And they go, great. There was loads of controversy about Apple changing the peach and making it more peach-like and everyone, the uproar of like, well, hang on, it's not, it's not sexy anymore. We just did an analysis of the peach emoji and found that 93% of peach emoji users have nothing to do with the fruit, that it's about 30 or so percent uh, to do with butts directly and about another 27% are sexual in nature. So th- that is data that Apple should have probably looked at. That if they if they realistically, it seemed funny at the time, and it was like, ha, 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 they replaced this emoji and now it looks more like a peach and less like a butt. But in reality, if that's how everybody's using it, then that's frustrating. It, it is what it looks like. It isn't what someone says you should use it as. Actually, we can ask you now. You know, you know this one? Yes, it's uh, you have two hands together. Brilliant yeah. for radio. Will. Yeah. Will's just... <laughs> Will's t- <laughs> Hang on, no, I've written it down. I've written it down. Will is just a symbol of an emoji with his hands. On on my happy face. No, this Uh, is great. We'll just keep everyone in the dark. I love it. Person with folded hands. Yes. What is it? It is effectively, it's meant to be sort of a Japanese gesture of uh, please or thank you. I just did the action as well. Uh, we should but, be on TV. I think but, that's what this means. I think it's, it's time. But, but Unicode, they don't really care why you use it. They just say it's two hands together and people use it for praying or please or thank you in Japan. Do you think it's a high five at all? It is categorically not a high five. Well, don't say that to Will. Don't get any closer to Will. Because the thumbs face the wrong way. If we high five, high five me and look at wrong thumb. Thumbs point outwards. Got it. Case is closed on that one. What emoji is coming out next year? Do you know? Next year, there's a whole there's a whole bunch of them. We've got things like the the broccoli. Uh, we've got a whole set of fantasy characters that are things like a vampire. There's a, a mage, which is a witch or a wizard. There's in the theme of gender inclusivity. There's a mer person, which is 
a gender-neutral mermaid. So that's all coming out. There's some other ones that are a bit more um, maybe overdue, like the hijab. There's already a person, a man wearing a turban. There's a breastfeeding emoji. So it's a pretty pretty wide slate. And giraffe is going to be huge. Everyone wants a giraffe. Breastfeeding. Breastfeeding. Is on the 2017 list. It's on the list. Uh, the stats are showing that far more people breastfeed than bottle feed. There's already a bottle baby bottle emoji. And there's some weight to that as well, that not only is the baby bottle not the same thing, it's the opposite. The breastfeeding mothers specifically don't want to use the baby bottle because there's some stigma sometimes around uh, how you feed your baby. So that one and is looking like it should be quite popular. And and just, just going back to the kind of the Unicode process, that you once you've added something, so you talk about all those symbols being in there because they're they're historical. Once you've added one and someone's used it, they're committed to keeping it so it's forever... Forevermore. Once something's in the Unicode standard, it never goes away. There's spelling mistakes in some of the names of characters over the years. Sometimes people have found that when we're talking about these big language sets that one character has been encoded twice because no one noticed, but it stays. Once you have an emoji, you don't get rid of it. Makes sense. Um, What's the favorite emoji? It, it's got to rotate. You can't have a single favorite emoji for too long, I don't think. You get bored. You get bored. Uh, All right, this week. This, this week. week uh, you know what? I've got a few. So my the palm tree is a long-standing favorite of mine, except for it got kind of droopy and sad in the latest iPhone update. Climate change. Yeah. <laughs> Jeremy, thanks so much for talking to us. Um, if people want to find out more about what you do, where should they go? Uh, just hit up emojipedia.org or come find us on Twitter, emojipedia on Twitter. Brilliant. Thank you so much. Frame with picture yourself in a rowboat on a river with tangerine deciduous tree and marmalade cloud. Somebody call me hand you, you speech bubble quite slowly. A girl with rainbow sparkles eyes. Lucy in the cloud with gemstone, gemstone. Lucy in the cloud with gemstone, gemstone. Lucy in the cloud with gemstone, gemstone. Ah, ah. As a conclusion, what do you feel about emoji? I think I have a, a, a whole new appreciation for them, for the process behind it. I think a lot of great things you should be able to appreciate on face value and they should work. You shouldn't have to have a huge understanding of something. But I think to see how the process is democratic and that anyone can put ideas forward and people look at them and they're sifted through and then there are committees that look at them and consider them and then bring them out. But I think there's potentially going to be too many and it, it then snowballs. And actually, uh, going back to what Marcel said, it's about restricting and actually, that's when the thing really starts to work. What about yourself? Um, I've got, I've weirdly got loads more respect for emoji. The idea that it's just part of our growing up of language, you know, the evolution of our language was always going to get here. We were always going to come back full circle into using pictures dependent on the technology that we were using at that time, right? And so it's important that they exist right now for the technology we use, whether they continue to be important and that technology continues to be important, I guess, I, again, like Marcel said, I'm not a prophet. I've got no idea what's going to happen there. But as long as we're communicating on our phones through text, I do think they're going to be massively important. <laughs>
This episode of the It's Nice That podcast was brought to you by the team at Radio Wolfgang. It featured me, Alex Beck and Will Hudson, talking to Professor Marcel Denisi and Jeremy Burge, as well as an insert from Scott Falman. The executive producer was Harry Watson, assistant producer was Natalia Rodriguez, and the producer was Ivor Manley. I like the idea now of just having thought about it over the last couple of hours. What if there was an emoji for, can't think about what emoji to use here, like a blank space, like a... Like, like, a, like, um, like, like a confused face. No, 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 not like confused face, because then you're confused about the message. More like, I'd like to put an emoji here, but I can't think of one. And then the other person could go, oh, you should use this one. So like a gap one, like, oh, what would you have put here? <laughs> Is that just a space? All right, don't, don't look too excited, mate. Is that enough? Should we go home? I've had enough of this. <laughs>